All right, we welcome you back. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today. I'll let you get there. Matthew chapter 6. Two weeks ago, Pastor Andy talked about right priorities. I'll have you know, Pastor Andy, before you head back, I talked about that bacon double cheeseburger last week, so... (laughs) Well, no, you were going to... Yeah, you were going to have a bacon double cheeseburger. You are telling me... Your bacon burger. Oh, you just go with a bacon burger. No, just just all bacon. Yeah, it's a bacon double cheeseburger. <laughs> all right. So he talked about having right priorities in our life. He looked at the early years of Jesus and how he grew in stature and knowledge of God. Um, so a great message. And then last week I talked about small changes or habits they can make that lead to big results and. Uh, results and impact in our life. So uh, just some, it was kind of the, took some insights from a book called Atomic Habits. So atomic is that atomic small level, right? And you just have to make those habits obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. So if, if you missed that, I really do think it's a message to go back and listen to um, because I do believe our spiritual life, there's some really good things we can lean, glean there of how we can just develop good spiritual disciplines in our life, but also can impact our other areas of life as well. And in, from my experience, they all intertwine together. So now I do have a question for you. So if, we could, if you could sum up all the teachings of Jesus into one word, all the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, if you could sum them up into one word, what would they be? Raise your hand, I'm going to call on you. Love. Love. Okay. Anybody else? Wisdom. What were you going to say, Aaron? Love. Anybody else? Gary. Faith. Gary, you're pretty close. Now, this is just one scholar's opinion, and I I really tried to give you guys just a real subtle hint, but... um, Relax. And you may say, why would that be it? Let's dive into our text here this morning. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, this is part of his Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's just some of the, we keep, you know, all, over the years I've come, keep coming back to this because it is some of the core teachings of Jesus and things that we can't get too far away from. And um, just in the past, uh, we're going almost on two years now with covid I think a lot of us felt like maybe we'll have to deal with it 10 days, or what was that first thing? 10 days or 14 days, right? 10 days, right? Yeah, and that got extended and extended, right? Um, the Omicron numbers now are just kind of, but I think it maybe is going to burn out. That's what we're hoping, right? But we don't know. We don't know. Um, so we have that, and then we also have the other things that are facing our economy, just with um, inflation, Right? And uh, we've been through seasons of that in our nation. And so this looks like one where um, if we're not feeling it, we we probably are a little more going into winter, higher natural gas heating costs, and just more at the pump, more at the grocery store, definitely. Um, and then, you know, it's just the cares of this world. You know, we all, most of us have one of these, right? How many have one of these, right? And um, there's a book written in the 1980s, 
1985 by Neil Portman. It's, it's called Amusing Ourselves to Death. But he just talks about in the digital age, and this is back in 1985, so, okay. He was just talking about how even back then we were getting news and information from so many different sources, right? And that we were never wired or intended to, to handle all that information, right? So we're hearing about world events and what's happening around our world, and some of it is, is pretty intense stuff, right? And then we hear about stuff that's happening in our nation. We hear about stuff that's happening in our immediate area. Um, and it, it's like it's not, we, our bodies weren't made to handle all that information. And he just talked about the impacts that I have, that has upon us. You know, and I, I, I think... And you don't have to raise your hand on this, but, you know, how many of you get up in the morning and you get, the first thing you do is you grab your phone and maybe go to Facebook or social media? Yeah. And, and so then, and the studies, secular studies show that if you're on social media too much, it's not going to have a good impact on you, right? It builds discontentment, anxiety, stress, Right? And so that's the first thing we, we gear into in the morning. So now that goes back to last week about small habits of making changes. What if we would reverse that and the first thing we did is our devotional time and got into God's Word and we connect with God, the God of peace and strength and power, and we started and got into His Word and in prayer and we started off our day. How, how do you think that would change our anxiety level? So that's a little where we're going this morning. So... Let's bow our heads in prayer, and then we're going to dive in. Father, we just thank you for this day, dear God, that you have made, and we just pray that you take your word and apply it to our hearts. It is, it is the timeless word of God that is able to change, change us. It is a double-edged sword that helps us grow, and, and it cuts to the heart of who we are, Lord God, and helps us become more like Christ. So, Lord God, speak to us today, and we ask it in your name. Amen. We're going to begin in verse 25 through 27. And Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Be anxious. What will you eat or what will you drink? About your body, what you will wear. Is life not much more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They don't reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And the answer to that question would be, no. In fact, it's probably going to take away hours from your life, right? It does, right? Now, in these, in these verses, Jesus has touched upon a lot of different things, prayer, treasures in heaven. So we're going to come back and talk deal with a few of these being salt and light, the Beatitudes. So there's some of these I want to come back and hit. But I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, don't go out there and work. Just, just sit in your home and God's going to take care of you, right? In the recliner, right? With the remote. God isn't saying that. And He's saying, hey, don't take responsibility for your life. I don't think He's saying that. What I do think He is saying is don't let the cares of this world, such as clothes, food, vehicles, and lodging, so consume you or take a place in your life that that is all that has mattered and that you get to that place where you're anxious, you're worried, that you lose sleep at night, that you're on edge, that you lose sight of all the other important things in life. Are you following me? And the first principle 
is that I want to pull out is why is that important? Because anxiety and worry reveal the false beliefs in your heart. Anxiety and worry reveal the false beliefs in your heart. Did you know you have false beliefs in that heart? I have a feeling each one of you do. I do. Yeah. I'm the pastor. But even I have issues with doubt. God, so some of these, these are some of the lies. God won't provide for my needs. God doesn't love me, or God is not in control, or I'm not important to God. I can't trust God with my life. See, we, we get into God's Word, and we see that God is going to take care of us, but in this, at the same point, there are sometimes these lies within our hearts, doubt, and anxiety reveals those false beliefs within our heart. So whenever you have that anxiety there or that worry there, you have to kind of go back into your heart and say, okay, what, what are the beliefs that are triggering that, that are, that are feeding that? And, and it helps us to say, you know what, if it is that I'm not trusting God for something or I'm allowing something to weigh too heavy upon me or I got my priorities out of whack, then it helps to guide my life. Amen? Um, and it also means that you're probably a human being, okay? You're probably human and you have emotions and all those good things. So there are always, there's always going to be things to worry about, right? Paying the bills, health concerns, relationships, food and clothing. There's always going to be things to worry about, you know? And then you start having kids and you worry about kids, right? And then they get into adulthood and you realize you have to trust them more to God, right? There's only so much you can do. And back then, people worried about those things as well, just as we do now today. People worried about food, clothing, lodging, all those things. And some would chase after those things, and that was all that they lived for. And if we would think that's not happening in our world today, it is, right? There's some people that abandon everything so that they have success in our world, right? And it, it destroys homes, it destroys families, marriages, um, it can have health consequences um, when we get those things out of whack. And, and Jesus is saying, going back to that word, relax, right? Relax. But many times we are consumed and we have worry and anxiety. Um, and sometimes we even trick ourselves into thinking that worry and anxiety are spiritual. You ever gone that right? Moms do this a lot. And dads do too, right? We think by worrying and anxiety, that's kind of a spiritual thing to do, right? And there is a ban- we want it, we're, we love our kids, we love them. But there has to be that balance between love and trusting them into God. When we dedicate children, right? We're entrusting, God has entrusted them to us and we're saying, God, you've placed them within our care to raise them, and so we're, we're placing them in your, ultimately in your hands, but we're going to do our best to raise them in the ways of the Lord, but you entrust them to God, amen? Amen. It keeps on wanting to go to last week. All right, all right, so let's go to point number two, 28 through 32, and it says, and why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field that grow. They do not labor or spin. You know, they just go out there and look nice, don't they? Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor 
was dressed was not dressed like one of these. And you know, Solomon, if he was to be in our day, Elon Musk is considered, I think, the most uh, wealthy man right now. Right, Tesla, he's a billionaire. Um, um, Solomon probably, if it was in our day and age, would probably far outweighed his wealth. But he, not even Solomon was dressed in as much splendor as the flowers of the field, right? Is that a how God, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith, right? So he kind of steps on us a little bit, right? Steps on our toes. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows that we need them, right? And see, that's where we are different from those that don't know Christ. And there's that belief within our heart that God loves me and that He wants us to be people of faith to trust Him, right? Um, And to honor Him with that. The second principle is you are God's valued possession. So trust Him. You are God's valued possession. Do I need to say that a few more times? You are God's valued possession. He loves you more than anything else. And maybe that's even a false belief within your own heart. You sometimes look at yourself and say, God, how could you love me? I've, I've failed you or I've made mistakes. You are God's valued possession. Even before you came to know Christ, even while you were a sinner, it says that Christ loved us and he died for us. Isn't that powerful? You are God's valued possession, and He loves you. And so you can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with these things. There again, it's not mean that we, we just say, hey, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to take responsibility for my life. It means that I do my part, but I also have to leave the rest with God, that I, it's out of my control. I have to trust Him. You have a Heavenly Father that loves you. He'll be, he'll be with you in the struggles of life. Now, we often use the illustration of a father and a child, right? So, um, Adam, I'm going to pick on you a little bit this morning, okay? And so Jackson is kind of at that age that if he was probably up on a tree or something like that, and you said, hey, you held out his hands, and he would probably jump into your arms. Now, why is that? Well, Jackson is a, is a pretty, you know, he's a fun kid and all that, um, but he probably wouldn't do that for anybody, but he'll do it for Adam, right? Because Adam is his father, right? And there's been that relationship of trust that has been built. And so he knows, you know what? Over the, my two years, he's two, right? I can trust my dad. He's been there for me. And I can jump into his arms. He's going to catch me. And see, for us as children of God, sometimes it's hard to take that leap. And it doesn't happen overnight. But it happens as we walk with God day after day, he, you trust him with this, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, God, God has me. So now I can trust him with this. And now I can trust him with this. And so some of you may be hard on yourselves, man, I just don't have any faith, and I'm worried about this and worried about that. Trust him. Begin to trust him with the small things and let that faith build, right? Because that faith comes through experience. As we trust him, we're going to see, you know what, God's going to come through for us. There's been times in my own personal life, but also as a pastor, I, I've been here long enough that we've gone through some ups and downs, just with, whether it's finances and now it's COVID, right? 
And I've learned that God doesn't desert a church during that time. He doesn't desert us during those times. That He's faithful, amen? He carries you through. And you just have to be faithful during those times, and you have to trust Him, and that God will lead you through. Um, so faithfulness is built over, over that process of time, and it's built through relationship. I think if you try to disconnect trust away from the relationship, it's kind of like having blind faith that's not connected to anything. That trust has to be connected to our relationship with God and walking with Him. And when we do that, faith becomes natural. We don't have to go give Jackson a lecture and say, hey, you need to trust your dad. That's just been something that has been developed through his relationship with his dad. Amen? All right. Number three, verses 33 through 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, when I read this, I think it would be quick to assume it, that it means to put God first in your life, right? And He'll take care of the rest. Am I right? But that's not actually what it says. I mean, that's close, but that's not what it says. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. So what's all that about? It doesn't say, seek first God. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. So what does God mean? What does Jesus mean in there when He says that? Um, I believe if you kind of just go in and do a little work on it, the kingdom of God is mentioned by Jesus a lot, Okay. And it really talks about His earthly reign above here. And so, one day He's going to rule and reign here on earth, right? And He says throughout the Gospels that He was bringing the kingdom of God to earth, okay? And so, what our text, I believe, is saying is that above all else, okay, your primary concern should be with the kingdom of God. So, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom and righteousness are used in the book of Matthew, previous to this, the kingdom of God primarily refers to God's kingly rule, all right? While His righteousness pertains to doing what God requires, what is pleasing to God. That's what righteousness is. You know, sometimes you look at the righteous, the righteous, the righteous. What are the righteous? Well, the righteous are those that are doing what is pleasing in God's sight. You do what is right. It's what is pleasing to Him. That's righteousness. And so, when it talks about the kingdom of God, it means that I'm allowing God's rule and reign to come into my life. So sometimes when we do the prayer of salvation, right, we talk about for Him to be my Lord and my Savior. Why do we put that word Lord there? Because I can accept Christ, say, hey, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. That's great. But unless you make Him the Lord of your life, it's not going to work, is it? If you just go out there and do whatever... I want to do whatever Brent wants to do, it doesn't work. He has to be the Lord of my life. So it's saying, hey, God, come into my life, rule and reign in my life. We put the kingdom of God first. He's the king of my heart. And when we do that, then everything else is going to fall into place. That's what he says, right? He says, and all these things will be added unto you. So a, a way you could translate this is, your primary concern should be that to submit yourself to God's kingly rule in your life. 
and do all that he requires, all that is pleasing to him. Do you like that? I like that. Your primary concern should be to submit yourself to God's kingly rule in your life and do what he requires and what is pleasing to him. You know, um, there's a lot of things in God's word that are challenging to us, right? There's some things that aren't hard to do for me. There's other things where I have to, Brent has to die, okay? I have to die to my will. I just saw something on Facebook that said, you know, in order for God's will to be done, my will has to be undone, right? And um, so for God to rule and reign in my life. So the third principle, this one took me a while. When King Jesus, when Jesus is king of your heart, you can relax. Why? Why can you relax? Because when you put Him first in your life, and He's ruling and reigning in your life, and you're doing what pleases Him, you're able to relax and just say, God, you're in control. It doesn't mean that life is going to be a cakewalk. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be roses. There's going to be some thorns along the way, right? There were for the disciples. There were for the life of Jesus. There were difficulties, but God never left them or forsook them, just as He will never leave you or forsake you. He's going to be with you. You can relax. And I think there are times when we don't have our priorities straight, when He is not the King of our heart. We chase after all these things. We want God in the picture, but He's not on that throne of our life. And we want God's blessings, but we want to do it our way. Right? And it just doesn't work that way. And I think in America, we bring a lot of stress upon ourselves, going back to the financial stuff, because we try to live above our means, we get ourselves into debt, and then, um, then we get stressed. The car breaks down, this happens, and then, then we're stressed. And I, I've shared this a few different times, but when we moved here, um, God was really faithful because we, we were able to leave coming out of seminary with no debt, and we left with even money in the bank that we were able to put a down payment on the house. It was just kind of a God thing. Came through some inheritance money, but it allowed us to come here and to buy a house and some things like that. We just made maybe one mistake in that we put we wanted to get our debt paid down too much, and so we put too much down instead of maybe allowing a little bit of cushion there for maybe some repairs and other things because cars do break down. And when they do, and it's six, $800, and you don't have that in the bank or it wipes out your emergency savings, then you have stress, right? Now, God was faithful in that. Um, but it, it did change how we looked at it. And that's why the Dave Ramsey course, I think, can really, you put in some godly principles. It's amazing how that can even impact your life so that the anxiety and the stress aren't there. Amen? But trust God, when we allow His principles to get into our heart and our life and we allow those to rule and reign in our life, I believe we can relax and trust God. Um, I don't know how many hours I've lost worrying about things that I couldn't change. You been there? Can any of you relate? I've even had acid reflux. I even thought I was having a heart attack once. Went to the hospital. Kind of embarrassing now. But God knows what we need, right? And we can trust Him with our life. Trust Him with um, and His wisdom. 
There's a commercial, I think, that says, relax, you got this. You seen that one? I don't even know. I can't even remember. It's just kind of relax, you got this. I'd like to change it, say, relax, God's got this, right? He's got you. Anxiety and worry reveal the false beliefs in our heart. I mean, so don't be too hard on yourself, but use it to say, you know what? If I'm feeling this way, I have to adjust something in my heart. I have to address some beliefs there that aren't aligning with Scripture, okay? That's all you do. You don't beat yourself up. You don't condemn yourself. But you use it as a barometer to say, hey, there, there's stuff I need, to, I need to get into God's Word more because if I'm doubting God's love, if I'm doubting His care, if I'm doubting His provision, I need to, maybe I need to spend more time in prayer. Maybe I need to spend more time in His Word. And then realize that God, you're His possession. You can trust Him. And when you make Jesus the king of your heart, there is an idea, this feeling that I can relax because God's in control. He has this, right? It can be like Jackson jumping into his dad's arms because there's no fear there, right? Because he knows his father. And when you know your heavenly father, and I know that illustration may not work for everybody because not everybody has a good father, okay? I know that. But you have a heavenly father in heaven that loves you and that gave his life for you. And then he says, you know what? You can jump into my arms. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to have the musicians come. And uh, we're going to sing that song, King of My Heart. May the King of My Heart be the fountain that I run to, uh, drink from. And uh, make that your prayer this morning. I'm just going to... As they're prepping here, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. Father, this morning, we just thank you that you are here with us, Lord. And, and Lord, no matter how many times I read this passage, it challenges me, Lord. It challenges some of the false beliefs within my own heart and my little faith at times and my doubt at times. And um, God, I just pray you would help all of us to trust you more and to, to lean upon you more, to develop that relationship that we can we can uh, walk with you with no fear, right? Because, God, I don't fl- believe fear has anything to do with our relationship with you. You want us to walk in your love and your confidence, Lord God, to be surrounded by that, to know your goodness. You're a good king. You're a good king that loves us and wants us to prosper and to be blessed, to have a hope and a future. Even with the principles in your word, they're not there to restrict us. They're there to provide freedom and liberty and joy and peace, Lord God. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would come and just speak to our hearts this morning. You've given us your Holy Spirit. And, Lord God, if you're speaking to us, I just pray that you can help us and guide us with your strength and your power. And grant us the wisdom we need just to live a life that glorifies you, that we can be better, we can be stronger, we can glorify you. We ask this in your name. Playing softly there, Phil. Lord, um, I'm just going to give the opportunity to lead us in a prayer of salvation. If God is not the king of your heart, whether you're listening on Facebook or here this morning, today's your day. Today's your day. Today is your day. And I believe if you pray this with your heart and begin walking with him, God hears that prayer if you make it your own. So would you join me in prayer this morning saying, Dear God, 
forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. Let me walk with you each and every day of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray.